Hello and welcome back to another episode of Behind the Desk with me, Mark Thomas, the podcast where I meet some of the leading figures in the insurance and insurtech space and bring you insight into their views and opinions on the sector, their career journeys, as well as a deeper look into the actual person behind the desk. Season two is well underway and as you'll know by now, we are focusing purely on inspiring female technology leaders in insurance and insurtech for this series, exploring their journeys today, understanding more about what they love about technology and and insurance, discussing more about their views on how we can get more talented females into the sector, and a whole load more. In this episode, I bring you Parol Cool Green. Parol has spent the last few years leading technology and digital strategy transformation efforts at AXA. About seven years she's been there now, uh, and is just in the process of gearing up for a new exciting role, which I'm sure will be announced soon. Parol has a slightly different background to a lot of my other guests. Having spent most of her career in corporate strategy, she's evolved into a technology strategy leader and is now one of the most highly regarded figures in the insurance and insurtech space. In this episode, we really get into some deep discussion around all things digital transformation, diversity and inclusion, and even tap into what Parol does to unwind and get away from the madness of work. Parol is a true thought leader in the insurtech space and knows a whole load of stuff about digital that I'd never even experienced talking about before. Her insights into the current state of the market and where it's headed was truly amazing to listen to. So without further delay, let's get behind the desk with Parol Cool Green. Welcome back to the Behind the Desk podcast, and uh, today I've got uh, Parol Cool Green with me. Um, Parol, how are you doing? I'm doing very well. How are you? Good stuff. Yeah, I'm really good. Thanks. Thanks for joining us today. Um, so, like, I always do a bit of an intro on this at the start of the podcast, but uh, I'm not going to do it justice. So, can you just give us a, an overview and the intro on yourself and who you are and uh, and what you do? Yeah, sure. So. Um... My name is Parol Colgreen, as uh, you've just uh, told everybody. I am a financial economist and uh, investment analyst by training. And for the past two decades or more, I have worked in strategic and digital transformation in uh, insurance, investment management and banking, and then have seen a whole host of technologies being adopted within financial services sector and tech increasingly being extremely important part of uh, transformation of uh, financial services. Sounds great. Well, look, I, I think this is, um, this is the first time I've had someone, I think, on the podcast that hasn't come from some kind of technical background, i.e. a developer or something like that. So why don't you tell us a bit about that? Let's go, let's go right back to the start. How did you get, what, what, what was your kind of the upbringing, school, college, all that kind of stuff, and, and, and your kind of first entrance into, into work? And then I guess we can go into how that evolved into technology. Sure. I mean, I don't want to go that far back, but um, (laughs) (laughs) um, I'm from um, originally from Delhi in India, came to UK for um, education and have worked in uh, banking, um, uh, joined banking Citibank in milk rounds like many people do. While I was in Citibank, I had the opportunity to be one of the pioneers of starting internet banking. And that kind of led me to really 
like the fact how banking technology democratizes financial services because internet banking was available uh, and still is to a much wider set of uh, population who don't have access to branch banking. So that was uh, one of the the, uh, impetus to push me towards technology. And then I had an opportunity to to, to work for a startup in its co-founding team, which was building payment infrastructure or what you see as Apple Pay today, but that was 20 years ago. And because the smartphone ado- adoption wasn't big, then it uh, the, the the company didn't take off. But I did get a, a, a strong taste for how revolutionary the technology, which now we have prevalent, could be, and uh, how the pioneers in such technologies, the kind of difficulties they face and how they overcome it. So, uh, so a good lesson in 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 uh, being quite early in op- adoption curve. And sometimes that not being so successful, but you've learned something. So that so the failure is not a failure. It is a learning point for something that I learned. And then from that startup, I started working, uh, went back into big, big uh, financial services and asset management. I worked in Aviva Investors for um, good eight years, then uh, moved to AXA. In Aviva Investor, I was in Digital Garage for, for some time. And then AXA, I was heading innovation, uh, mergers and acquisition and strategy. And I continue to be uh, work work in, uh, in in the cusp of technology, transformation, strategy, and finding new business models through technology. So tech-powered business models. So that's uh, my backstory. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, interesting. So, so what? When, when was the actual transition there? So, was that uh, the internet banking stuff your first kind of uh, transition into technology? And and what's uh, what was been the kind of catalyst for you um, from a motivational perspective and, and moving into more of a, the tech side of things rather than the the, the more financial aspects? So I I trained in so I uh, trained and I got ed- educated in very very strict uh, econometrics, financial economics, mathematics, and investment analysis. I hold a CFA charter so um, and uh, can manage money as well. But th- those were the things that were adding value. But how do you deliver this effectively? How do you make it more democratized? How do you make more people having access to these financial services was something that really, really um, inspired me. That How do you make finance, not just a remit of rich people. How do you make it available to many? So that was kind of a driver. And technology is so important in that with smartphones and and, and provisions like M-Pesa, where you can uh, use microfinancing capabilities to bring people up. That that, that, uh, always was uh, quite interesting. Not tech for tech's sake, but what tech can achieve to bring up all of the humanity so that was uh, my driving ambition yeah 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 so uh, obviously the most recent um work you've been doing is with uh, with axa so do, can you talk us through a little bit about what your role is there and what where that's kind of evolved into more of the insurance and sure tech space more directly so uh, the the work that i was most recently doing was around corporate turnaround strategy of axa excel in asia pacific and europe um, and that's 30 countries um, within the remit 
and and uh, close to uh, $6 billion or, uh, dollars of um, gross written premium in commercial lines. And one of the advantages of looking at strategic uh, tra- strategy, uh, strategic turnaround strategies is that you can look at how can, te- uh, with the available technology, uh, how can you speed up or change the business model that you have? That was something that... Um, I led. And before that, I used to be head of um, Axonex Labs for Europe, which was which has a very ecosystem approach to innovation. Uh, it supports AXA by connecting it to a, a ecosystem of uh, startups and technology providers who can speed up or bring new business models to life. And one of the, the most interesting thing that... Um, I did was in business model innovation around telehealth, which was around when um, pandemic was happening and the access to healthcare was being limited by the rates of infection. At that point of time, we really in, uh, saw how access to health for our insured customers and members uh, uh, had such a creative effect from having telehealth propositions in uh, various countries in Europe. So my role was uh, quite critical there because I, I not only did I uh, show our businesses that here is an opportunity uh, that can really progress our business model and bring in new revenue stream and give access of our, to, to our members of something more than just claims services, but also here are the supply, interesting suppliers who are, have a great UX, great product, and who can um, actually accelerate our uh, uh, strategy in the area of finding um, so, uh, services for cust- accretive customer services for, for our insured customers. So that was uh, what I was uh, uh, looking at. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's really interesting. And, and I'd be interested to know a little bit because this is actually a, uh, your 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 answer to this question will probably be from a slightly different viewpoint. But digital transformations now, like, a, is a, is a big buzzword in insurance. Lots of people talking about it. What what do you kind of see as the the, the kind of the big challenges or hurdles that the the industry needs to get over, but in order to to actually really kind of see, see the benefits from from what they're actually doing in the digital space. So uh, let me take it from three sides. So behaviorally, what is it in the insurance sector which makes digital transformation particularly difficult? I would say risk aversion, which is a good thing for insurance professionals, but then it pervades through adoption technology, which is not really something which supports uh, rapid testing, learning, and adoption. So that's risk aversion and slowness of decision-making. From financial side, uh, the fact that technology spend is seen as having very long-term return on investment. Uh, So there is a natural tendency while assigning budgets not to assign a big uh, budget for technology stack of an insurer. Uh, I can give you an example. For example, banking spends 7% of revenue uh, according to some studies in technology transformation. And by comparison, insurance have, on average is spending three. So wow. you can see that there is a big def- differential. And uh, one of the, the, the results of this is technology debt. So every, every industry deals with a whole host of technology debt. 
it's especially intractable in insurance sector, in my experience. It may not be the case with uh, all of the companies and new starters might be in a better position, but the tech debt seem is, is quite significant problem in insurance. Yeah. And do you think that uh, that tech debt thing is that is that uh, is that almost like a vicious cycle? Like you're not spending money, so therefore the the, the the legacy systems and stuff like that are are becoming older and older because you're not spending it. Out, therefore, just as a as a snowballing problem. Yes, I I I, I think so because uh, one it, insurance um, in general will have generates not massive margins. It's as a business we are very lean business in terms of generating profitability, which means any call on investment will be considered in long term and short term. And and like many companies, short termism tends to win, which means thought of investment is not going into a, a long term bet like technology, future technologies or technology readiness for uh, uh, newer products and is going into maintaining what there is today, which just means that we are accumulating more and more tech debt so that mm. i think uh, you've 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 actually identified it rightly it becomes a bit of a vicious circle it's not to say mm. people are not uh, looking at it now um and and uh, um, i am too in how do we solve this because this is uh, this cannot be a, a loop we get stuck in so what so you mean you you uh you almost teed up perfectly my next question there you mean what so what do you think the uh the answer is what how, how do you how do you think we start to solve that problem i mean it's 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 a tough and a very big question yeah. into my mind uh, there are certain things that uh, we can uh, do in uh, adopting these um uh, technologies one is to have a very customer centric view of what technology can do with our in in terms of enhancing uh, our customer experience enhancing delivery how can it support our underwriting community and what does it mean in terms of uh, results so having what we call in uh, the OKR kind of a thing, objective and key results kind of a, a framework in mind. And there is also a great deal of need of bringing everybody on board. It should not be happening that you are doing a whole process of digital transformation sat in a little office with engineers, uh, designers, product and C-suite. It has to be more consultative in terms of Involve all parts of the, the 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 value chain. Ask them what are your pain points. We are solving your pain points, and some of the solution will come through technology. And and the thing that I I really would emphasize here is don't solutionize. Listen. Mm-hmm. A lot of us are very guilty of uh, not listening to people and then alienating them in terms of when we start implementing. So your discovery process of what should be the solution should involve lots of the stakeholders and look at the external market as well. And that's the strategist in me. Look at external analysis and internal analysis and think what are the critical problems. Take very few critical problems that you want to solve and bring in everybody who will be able to give you diverse outlooks and experience and perspective in bringing solutions. And don't get married to that solution. Get married to the problem. Solve Mm -hmm. the problem. Don't 
say that this solution is the only solution. Let's try and start working towards a, a, a solution by staying in the problem as long as possible and then trying to build through a uh, discovery process what we can produce, test, prototype, and then ship. So that's, that's, that's what I would say would be uh, a good way of uh, looking at the process of digital transformation. It's not once and done. It's continuous. And we need to bring in everybody. It can't be done in small uh, rooms with only a few people involved. Involve uh, a whole lot of your stakeholders and solve a problem. Don't be a solution looking for a problem. I mean, there's, yeah. there's, there's lots of things that we could be doing uh, better. But it's in, 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 in any transformation, involve stakeholders. Let it be iterative, learning. Stay in the problem. Don't solutionize and don't get married to a solution if once you've identified, test and learn and ship. Test, learn, production, ship. So yeah. that, 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 that kind of, um, in my experience, I mean, I'm, I'm sure some people have been super lucky and have <laughs> uh, had brilliant idea which has gone to production and been a big hit and generating huge amount of money and everybody loves it. But that has never been the case in my experience. You mean, I, th- I think it's a really interesting point there you say about the uh, taking people on the journey because I think I think that's a bit of a j- just a, a kind of a, a, the, the way insurance is, is historically viewed is that there are lots of people that have been in the sector for a long time that don't really want to change and actually uh, I'm sure that's not completely the case but I'm, I'm, I'm sure the stereotype comes from somewhere so um, I think that it, it certainly seems like that's one of the barriers to, to getting stuff done is taking people on the journey and, and, and explaining the benefits and getting people on that on, on on the bus i guess as it were um i think that that seems to be a big problem um so yeah that's a really interesting point it's really interesting to hear you talk about that from a uh, a business perspective as well because i think that staying in the solution just focusing on the solution too much can be a bit of a a, a tech person's uh, downfall can't it they kind of focus yeah. too much on the utopia of a tech solution when actually yeah. this what, what's the bigger problem you're trying to solve um so, I mean, as as part of, uh, as you know, this this series of the podcast is focusing all on on females in the in the tech space. Massive yeah. problem, uh, widely publicised. Um, so, I, I mean, I'd, I'd like to just talk a little bit about that and your experience having be, being a female um, coming into into tech from a slightly different viewpoint. Um, what's it been like for you? Have you? I mean, is it is it been is it been difficult? Uh, is it is it been has it been easy? You'd one of the few that it's been. Uh, it, it's been more straightforward. T- tell us a bit about how that's been for you and how you found it. So in uh, what I have found is that it's become better. It, yeah. uh, from when I started, and I used to do mergers and acquisitions, I used to be the only woman in deal rooms and sometimes asked to make tea. It's improved. <laughs> no one asks wow. me to make tea. Um, no. And 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 also uh, sometimes people will, despite being a principal negotiator, they'll negotiate with the man in the room. This, the sorts of things that used to exist, and people would let it go unchecked. Now there are a lot of people who have uh, been trained in allyship have seen that this is not yielding the best possible result to not be inclusive. And also the fact that um, women themselves have 
earn the right to be on the table are great negotiators, are great tech people and great transformation with great skills in convincing people and really technologically also very proficient, things are becoming better. And and uh, that's something to really, really, when you've been the, uh, in, in, in the field for long enough, you, you see that uh, it's improving. It can get mm-hmm. frustrating that it's not fast enough and therefore we can't really... Uh, lose sight of the ball, uh, but it, it it has improved significantly from the time that uh, I, I I started uh, working. Yeah. So, what do you think? Uh, because obviously, um, and, and I'm I'm sure that the, I mean this is throughout insurance, but certainly in the more technical roles uh, in in in, uh, in 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 insurance and and actually just in in technology in the broader sense, um, that there is still a a big uh, disparity in in the amount of uh, females in in leadership roles. Certainly, when actually researching for this podcast, it was it was uh, there was a lot less uh, people to to kind of go at that uh, that could be guests, and and certainly. At the entry level i think there's obviously a big issue so what what what's your view on what what we should be doing to actually to to kind of start to redress that balance firstly we have to realize what diversity equity and inclusion is enabling people to do it is enabling people to achieve their potential by raising awareness that there's a business case of promoting positive action for diversity it's not a box ticking a lot of uh, 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 friction is generated when someone or some people hold the view that it's a box ticking. They're just doing it to meet the diversity quota. No, because I, I, I have, in my experience, when you have same people entering the room, whichever socioeconomic background, gender identity, cultural background, sexual orientation, social mobility, faith, or ability or disability or mental health conditions or neurodivergent conditions people are coming from, they are bringing a completely different perspective. If you are not having a representative group of people, you are producing, one, you are not recognizing the problem. So you're not staying in the problem of everybody because you've solved yours, you've moved on. And your Mm. audience is not just you. So... You are, through DEI and representation and equity, you are bringing in perspective, which is making your business and your business model more robust. And that needs to be understood. If every one of your bio was like you and had same life experiences and made same kind of decision, maybe having similar people like you made business sense, but it doesn't. People are different. And all you're bringing to the room by hiring or keeping people just like you is sameness. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that, I've always thought that, that there's some irony in that as well, because the, I mean, pretty much everyone has an insurance p- policy of some sort. Every adult, anyway. Um, yeah. And, and and yet, the people that we've got designing the products and the systems and stuff like that that everyone works are, are all are one very small subsection of of that that entire kind of uh, customer or potential customer pool. Um, and so, I mean, I, I, I do wonder whether there's any research that's actually been done about how, how kind of you, you, by designing products that by one set of people, they only really apply to, to one group of people as well. It's, um, yeah, I mean, it, it just doesn't make any logical it. sense, does it? We do have examples of it. And so in, 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 in the, the things that we see most uh, pernicious, say, in medicine, where... Um, where, where if you uh, build AI which 
only caters to someone who is um, uh, Caucasian, you are missing the same symptomology in people who have different um, characteristic, who could be ethnically different, because you're not able to, to diagnose them well. well mm. so, so the misdiagnosis rates, uh, wrongful hosp- uh, treatment, all those things become quite bad so and 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 that really harms the research into healthcare so this is something that we we have been looking at through our health insurance services how important it is to have representation symptom checking diagnosis and uh, care management which insurers tend to pay for in many large economies where in, health insurance is quite big it's the same with uh, with many other uh, things like say for example the, uh, i read a research which said that space suits are not built for women and nasa uh, had such a big problem sending female astronauts because of lack of females in the in the in in in, in the crash test. Uh, same with the crash test dummies. Uh, the way the cars are built uh, was built for males, and it wasn't suitable for female bodies. So all mm. these things become quite big and quite dangerous for population subset when there is no representation. Yeah, yeah, no, no, I completely agree. So um, I always like, before I go into the kind of the final couple of questions, I I always like to find out a little bit about the actual person away from work as well, because uh, as much as insurance is is really uh, important. Um, What what is uh, Powell doing when she's not solving digital transformation problems away from uh, away from the office? Apart oh, well. from moving house at the moment, which I know we've already <laughs> spoken about. Yeah. <laughs> so um, spending time with family, which like everybody does. Then I run. I try to oh, run wow. 50K uh, uh, a week. Uh, that's really? my me time. And I yeah. read uh, a lot. Um, uh, and the latest book that I was reading is something, um, it, it, it was released quite a few years ago, but it's... Uh, called Working Backwards, which is uh, written by Colin Breyer and Bill Carr. Uh, these were Amazon uh, executives. I think uh, Bill was uh, Jeff's shadow, which is his chief of staff. And they're writing about how uh, Amazon has continued to innovate and build superior products through uh, customer obsession. The Working Backwards principle is very, very uh, reminiscent of stay in the problem, don't solutionize and yeah. bring people together. So yeah. that that book uh, is very interesting. So I read quite a lot extensively, listen to lots of podcasts, which is brilliant Good. because uh, stay, uh, even if you're at home, there there is a way to, to, to uh, keep your um, education up to date by listening to podcasts. They're brilliant. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, when you uh, go back to the running, do you, have you ever done any kind of like marathons or anything like that? Is that where you planning to do anything like that? Well, I, 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 I do halves and 10Ks. I did a 10K last week for, oh, wow. um, um, I, it, it's, it was called the Dublin Mini Marathon, women right. only, which was great because there was like 20,000 women running. It was brilliant. Oh, amazing. Yeah. Amazing. Brilliant. All right. So the, the, the couple of questions I always ask at the end. So first of all, what is it you love about the insurance and insurtech space? Uh, the thing that I love about insurance is uh, the social aspect of it. The fact that it provides social safety net, it's affordable and helps the ability to take risks for people. And if there is a claim event or adverse event, 
it helps people get back on their feet. So I think that's a very brilliant uh, social safety net aspect that uh, we must remember about insurance. Yeah, yeah, that's a really good one. Um, so the second one is, what's the best thing about being behind your desk right now? Well, easy access to the fridge and the top cupboard. <laughs> yeah, so the working for yeah, that's interesting actually. I'm purposely not focused much about working from home and all that kind of stuff. But are you are you are you, uh, are you a kind of a fan of the work from home, or do you prefer the office? What's your what what, do you, what are your thoughts on that? I think hybrid is a very good way of being that when I go into the office, brilliant to meet my colleagues, but it's brilliant to meet my colleagues when they're happy and not having hassles about uh, how do I manage childcare, how do I manage looking after my sick relatives, and how do I go to my uh, appointment, hospital appointment, all those things which used to be a problem when we were five days a week in uh, office have become much easier so i I'm, I'm a big fan of hybrid yeah 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 i think uh, i think i'm in agreement there well look and then you mean i always ask these quick fire questions that they're just for a bit of fun but um which brand or company or do you really admire and why i have to say apple one because of the simplicity and elegance of design and the fact that uh, ux tends to be really really superior to many others yeah. And uh, latterly, they have started really caring about privacy. It's caused a huge amount of problem to people like Facebook and Google in terms of you can't really track people across apps unless they explicitly permit it. But mm-hmm. I think that's a good thing. Uh, consumer privacy issues need to be resolved straight up and with known consent. And Apple's doing that. Yeah, yeah, that's a really good one. Yeah, you stop getting those those talk about something, and you get an advert two seconds later on your uh, yeah. on on your Facebook or something like that. Yeah, you may have already mentioned this, but maybe give us another one if not. It's your your favorite business related book? Obviously, you mentioned the one the Amazon one before, but my current favorite is um, Empowered by Marty Kagan, and okay. it's about how do you build uh, great tech products. Okay. Fantastic. Cool. I'll have to have a look at that one. Um, favorite film or TV series? You can have one of each. Killing Eve series. I love Jodie Comer's character. Very dark backstory and she's excellent at switching forms. So I think that's great. Yeah, it's quite, it's very unique that show as well, isn't it? I, I've watched I watched it with my wife. It's, uh, yeah, it's very unique. Um, so if you weren't, the next one is, if you weren't a tech leader uh, or a insure tech leader, what would you be? If you wouldn't have gone into insurance, what else would you be doing? Oh, totally filmmaker. Yes, I absolutely filmmaker. would have loved to make movies. Really? What's your favourite film? Because I know you had the, same, the TV series. Have you got a favourite film? Yeah, Apocalypse Now. I absolutely loved that film. It captures the darkness and it um, can be slow sometimes and gory, but it's very, very well done. Yeah, yeah. Maybe the uh, maybe after you finish solving insurance, you move on to making films or something. Like oh, that absolutely. <laughs> um, and then the last one is uh, who is your number one female role model? It's Indra Nui, the former CEO of Pepsi. Yeah. What 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 is it about her? She was um, some of the relatability thing. She is a strategist of Indian origin, but she did transform Pepsi from not making too much money to to a very profitable focused uh, consumer uh, good company and uh, brought in a lot of good for you products as well which uh, not just selling uh, 
um, uh, drinks which were which are not so great for you. So she did bring in the ethos of we have to bring in healthy food to the people as well. Yeah, that's a really good one. And then the last question I ask everyone is, um, if, if there was one question I should have asked you, but I didn't, what what would it be? We, and, and this is, um, I hope you will not ask me to answer it now. But... <laughs> I normally do, but you don't have to. Uh, I think um, to get the essence of where people's mind is at, I would ask, what's the most pressing problem that the world faces where insurance can help? Right, and how okay. so um for me at the moment i think it's uh climate change and climate emergency where insurance can really help mm, yeah that's a good one yeah i'm going to factor these in so i will use all these at some point uh further de- further down the line well look you mean th- first of all thank you very much for sparing us some time um between house moves and uh and, and sorting stuff out really appreciate it uh i've really enjoyed chatting to you off the back of this i'm sure there'll be some people that want to reach out to you and uh and connect is, is linkedin the best place to to get get hold of you yes great well look you mean uh same for me so if uh thank you everyone for listening and thank you power for giving us your time um if anyone wants to get in touch with either us um connect with us on linkedin uh, more than happy to connect with people and uh, just leaves us to say thank you power and uh, catch up with you thank you mark Thanks for listening to this episode of Behind the Desk with me, Mark Thomas. If you like the episode, please subscribe, give us a five-star rating, like and a comment, and even better, please share with your friends and colleagues. If you'd like to connect with me, you can do so at linkedin.com forward slash Mark Thomas and the number zero. It would be great to hear from you. Equally, if you have any suggestions for future guests or other areas you'd like me to explore, it would be great to hear them too. Behind the Desk is powered by Eames Consulting, part of the Eames Group. You can find out more about us at eamesconsulting.com. Thanks again for listening and I look forward to catching up with you again next time.